Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This show is brought to you in association with Five Stars Promotions. To find out all about Five Stars' latest events, including many featuring X-Rangers heroes, then please visit them on Twitter, at Five Stars Limited, that's at 5numeric5starsltd, or search for them on Facebook. Welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast, the podcast that genuinely didn't have anything better to do than to go to Ibrox twice this weekend. This week on Heart and Hand... Second time lucky. So welcome to Heart and Hand Rangers podcast. My name is David Edgar and I'm joined by two stellar fellows. First of all, the splendid Mr. Ian Hogg. Good evening, everyone. Good evening, David. And the wonderful son of Linwood that is David Marshall. Uh, how you doing, gents? Not too bad. Uh, bit of a busy weekend, really. And uh, <laughs> headed out to Ibrox on Saturday morning. Got up to meet some friends in the Loudon before the game. One o'clock, the announcement came that the game was off. And uh, much chagrin at that point uh, kudos though to uh, Robert Marshall that allowed him for immediately playing welcome to the party at that exact moment um, that went down well but arranged very quickly I haven't heard anything like this in a long long time Hoggy last time I can remember a game being called off at Ibrox for a waterlog pitch was what 1993 against Aberdeen, which was even worse actually. It, it was called off at like quarter three, if memory serves. We were all in the ground. <laughs> yes. but, um, but you know, to be replayed again within 24 hours is is remarkable. However, uh, I do have to say that while it's not great for the fans, it really isn't. Uh, attendance was down, uh, understandably. You know, people can't travel both days people have other commitments family commitments uh, as well as just uh, geographical ones and I, I i feel for everyone who couldn't attend yesterday however rangers would face a bit of a fixture pile up had this game not gone ahead 
it's um, total rock and hard place stuff for the club. You know, let's face it, because we we couldn't really play t- tonight, for example, and then again Braga on Thursday. You know, that's not really giving ourselves the best uh, sporting chance, sporting integrity. I'm pretty sure they call it, David. Um, and that leaves if we get if we, if and it's a big if if we were to get past Braga, that would leave practically no wiggle room. With, of course, the SFA wanting the weekend before Scotland play Israel free. There's no chance of no that. No way. That is not going to happen. So, so therefore, with absolutely zero wiggle room, I mean, the fans are shafted, let's face it. The fans were shafted. But there's almost, if there's no place to play a game and the Scottish football authorities have basically set a precedent that you have to play the games within a set timescale in case clubs are going on mythical tours to tours to, to Japan, then you've got to look at other avenues, if you like, for, for future seasons. I give you, David, the farcical um, winter break, just in case of inclement weather. That worked. Um and it's, it's happened before that we've had a winter break and then two or three weeks later it's been, you know, three foot of snow. It's mm. been pushing down for days on end. You know, we look at... We have three months of dreadful winter, you know, January. Yeah. And it can be bad October, November, December, but it really gets bad January, February, March. That's, you know, that's the time that it, it really gets bad. It, a winter break for weather is pointless, but I, I was actually going to ask you this, David. Do we need a three-week winter break for a country that, with all respect, doesn't have an awful lot of players who will be competing uh, in the World Cup or in the Euros in summers? So the idea of perhaps, you know, the way that the EPL might say we give the players a break, there's a motive there. Three weeks seems awfully excessive for us. It's very counterproductive when you weigh up uh, due to a number of factors. First, you talk about the, the weather there. It's Scotland in winter, you know, it could be horrendous at any point at any point from, you know, October onwards. Uh, you could Six have months, it. yeah. Yeah, you could have it December because that's when we're likely to get our snowfall. And as you say, from January through to March in Scotland, it is wet and it is windy constantly. That's what our weather is at this point. Then again, you talk about from the playing point of view, um, you're right, Scotland are unlikely to be playing in a, in a major tournament during the summer. At any point in my time following Rangers, David, apart from 1998, uh, when I was when I was uh, five year old, when that tournament took place, so there's a whole generation of, of people who haven't seen a thing that we're looking to help or combat against. Um, seems ridiculous. Also, the way that the winter break is set up in Scotland, it's counterproductive as well because it's going. <laughs> on one hand, we're uh, we're trying to you know you can say we're trying to help out with internationals in Scotland qualifying for a major tournament, but we're also doing it under the assumption that our, our domestic sides are going to fail in Europe and that we're not going to progress through uh, past uh, past Christmas. Both ourselves and Celtic have done so, and as you say, if we didn't get this match played uh, at the weekend, God knows when we're going to do it, and if we got through against uh, Braga, then it's, it's even more impossible. We're still waiting to get one match rearranged uh, from, what was it, November, October time? We don't know when we're going, we're going to get that played. Yeah, yeah. So exactly. It, and, and... It's ridiculous. It, they they don't have much wiggle room. They do, as you say, predict a calendar based on failure um, of teams in Europe, and then they don't allow, as as you mentioned, any wiggle room for teams going deep in cups. When you add into that 
three weeks. Um, so basically, we sat about for three weeks not playing games, and now we're going to have to go to this ridiculous calendar. It doesn't suit the players. Uh, I think any benefit of the winter break would be would be lost by having to play so regularly. Uh, it, it needs looked at. It definitely needs looked at. And we might need to go to other things, such as cup replays, etc. We may need to to say, especially for teams in the top division, I mean, Rangers and Celtic, to be fair, and I'm sure other teams in the division hope themselves to have a number of European matches over the course of the season. Rangers this week will play our, our 15th European match of the season. So it's we've got a box cleverer here. We well, really you, do. David, you look at it, we've played nine games in four weeks after having three weeks off. We will, what is the point? We, we, hmm. we, will, we will now play... Uh, this midweek, next midweek, uh, the first midweek in March. The next midweek we actually get off is between the 8th and the 15th of March. Um, unless, of course, we get past Braga. <laughs> it's, it's it's farcical. It's absolutely farcical that the Scottish football authorities, A, build it on failure, and B, factor in this winter break and then cram nine games into into a month. It's nonsensical. No, it really is. And uh, I remember last year as well that after the split, we played one game for five weeks. <laughs> you know, it's, it's nonsense. It, it just is arse for elbow. But game was called off, pitch not playable. Pitch has been a bit of a disaster, David. Um, it's a, a new pitch that was laid in the summer, a hybrid pitch. There, are, there can always be bedding in difficulties. I remember Rangers in the 90s had uh, a pitch which caught a disease and wasn't good for a good two years, but it's extremely disappointing. I think we were all a little shocked, even with the heavy rainfall. It just didn't occur to me that a game at Ibrox would fall victim to a waterlogged pitch. No, it's like, uh, you, you're talking about there, it was like something from bygone days, like getting this game uh, called off, then replayed of the next days. So that was yeah, exactly. Uh, and my first thought was, God, that feels very retro, very simpties, where you could sometimes play, you know, two games in two days because of backlogs and, and whatnot. But yeah, it just, um, it's something, I don't know, like that new pitch, I'm not going to claim to be a, 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 a groundskeeping expert by any sort of a, any sort of stretch, which is quite Why not? Everybody else did. I know. This weekend, Twitter was like the Beach Grove Garden. I really should as well, because my dad is actually a qualified greenkeeper, that's his trade, so you think I'd get some green fingers from somewhere, but no, unfortunately no. Um, yeah, just from a purely fan's point of view, it's really frustrating, you know, we're one of the top teams in the country, we should not, it just, on the face of it, we should not be getting games called off having a waterlogged pitch, that's that's something that happens to, you know, third division and second division teams, it, sh- it, it shouldn't be happening to Rangers. Yeah, it is, uh, it is frustrating, but uh, I don't know enough. I, I don't have green fingers. Uh, any dirty fingers I've got over the years were for much less wholesome purposes. Mm. Anyway, uh, the game did go ahead. Rangers looking to react after the shambolic 2-1 defeat at Rugby Park. And maybe the reason that we're also critical of the winter break is the fact that Rangers have been, and let's not get ourselves here, rank rotten since it came back. Hoggy, things can grow exponentially. And for me, one of the things that has happened with this Rangers team, I've seen a lot of stuff about, oh, you know, Gerard's lost the dressing room, or it's this guy, or it's that guy, or this is unhappy. And to me, that, that this is just you know, rumours breed when things aren't going well. It's, it's a fact. It always has been. It's just now because of social media that they can get to the public a lot quicker. 
the truth is often a lot simpler. And in this case, it's the team came back, started slowly, looked, waited for it to come back. It didn't. The criticism then came. And the team, as the results have, have got worse, you may argue, the performances haven't picked up. The team are losing confidence and therefore the performances stay really bad. And it becomes a bit of a, a vicious circle, really. Yeah, in in December, for example, David, we were playing some really good stuff. We were pressing really, really high up the park. We were not really thinking, overthinking the play. We scudded hearts. We we tore Hibs to bits at Easter Road. If you remember, we beat Celtic. We and uh, we qualified for the uh, for the last thirty two of the Europa League. A great month. Then we hit January. We come back. Strandraar is was Strandraar on a cold Friday night. Let's discount that. We squeak past St Mirren with a relatively poor performance. We lose to Hearts. We just about get by Ross County. Um, we drop points against Aberdeen at home. We get by Hibs really late. We put Hamilton to bed in the cup. Again, pretty late. We lose to Kilmarnock. And it's confidence for me that I, I think this Rangers team... When it start, when it takes a confidence knock, it looks for a comfort blanket, and it looks for a comfort blanket of safety. How many times have you seen us take two or three touches extra that we wouldn't have done in December at all? And for me, that that's all that's doing is allowing the opposition time to set themselves up in front of us. So therefore, if we've taken one or two or sometimes three touches extra and then give it to to Ryan Kent, he's got two guys swarming on, on him already. Whereas when we get him the ball nice and early and he's got a run on a, on a defender, we see things happen. Hadji's brilliant at taking the ball in, in really tight spaces. But again, yesterday we saw that just those extra couple of touches and then giving them the ball, he's got two guys on him. So it just all feels really stifled but stifled David I think because of that the confidence issues is just breathed, uh, breathing almost that um, uh, almost the fear of making a mistake and it's just become really safe and really really predictable Dave I'll chuck in another one of these abstract things these uh, qualities that you need you can't touch but you know them when you see them and that one would be leadership and in difficult times, which we've seen before, with Rangers title winning squads, uh, people come to the fore, people step up and inspire, cover a lot of, of problems, if you like, paper over the cracks. It's been levelled at the team that that's something that it lacks. Uh, and again, while I think that when things are going badly, a lot of criticism can get thrown about, I have a bit of sympathy for this point that maybe, you know, I, I'd thought that Tav coming back would provide a bit of that, as I mentioned on here before, a, a slightly different way his uh, desire on the ball and, and that is true and I think that, you know, you do see him keep going, although he's he's not back to his best form yet, but yeah. really with the possible exception of our field through his performances, obviously McGregor um, it'll be good once Ryan Jack gets back into the groove but there are other guys in the team that you would maybe expect to provide a little bit more of it and instead it seems fairly uniform this this hiding in plain sight that, that Ian described where 
it's not that they don't want the ball and it's not that they're not putting in the effort they are but it's not attempting the you know the the difficult through balls it's not taking the man on it's fear of making a mistake so everything's far too laboured and safe I think that's fair, you know, it's like we don't seem to have somebody who can really grab the game by, by the scruff of the neck, you know, somebody when we're when we're in a when we're in a pinch that can can pull us out of it. You look at for the, the first the the first uh, half of the season, you could probably say a lot of that fell in Alfie. He was a guy getting our goals and right now he's uh, he's you know, he's way off the boil, he's totally out of form and the goals are drying up and, and the results haven't been coming either. I suppose in a way that could be, you know, the guy that's getting most of the goals has automatically become, become a talisman. I look at um, I look at uh, Rangers teams that have won the league in, in my lifetime and, you know, through the through through the stages in the league, you'd always know Chris Boyd's going to chip in with 20, 30 goals. You can always look to him to, to get a goal. And you, you had your other leaders, Alan McGregor, Davey Weir. Uh, they were littered throughout the team. This team... I think you're right as well. You're saying with the absence of Tavernier in there, and that that is something that's been a uh, fruit Tav as well. He's not a leader. I think we can dismiss that. He he certainly is a leader, and when he's not in that team, when he's not his best, this team uh, this team uh, suffer 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 without him. I hope that is something we see back from him uh, when he get back in the groove and with Ryan Jack as well, because I think that is definitely another potential leader there. But I don't know. I just think it is where we are, David. Remember, we have got a team that's. Not for it's not for the winners in the most literal sense. These are guys that don't have a massive uh, medal hall in their career. They don't know what it's like to win several league titles or, or cups with Rangers. It's just you know it is where he is, and right now we are suffering for it. The first half at the weekend was dreadful, Hoggy. I was kind of hoping for a bit of a quicker start, a reaction. Um, didn't get much of it in terms of team selection. Stephen Davis came in. That that was the. The only change in the side, he came in for Joe Aribo. And I was really disappointed with that and with the first half because, same now, the, the guys who are providing something at the weekend were Andy Halliday, who had a good game going forward. Livingston Sheep helped that. Um, they, they put everybody into the centre to make it difficult for Rangers to play through, which gave him a bit of space in the wing, but he took advantage of it. Scott Arfield, obviously. And then when he came on in the second half, Florin Camberry. Uh, and then when he got moved into the centre second half, Yanis Hadji, um, because he's just got that delightful ability to find a through ball, which which led to the goal. To me, it's not coincidental that these are guys who weren't featuring before Christmas and who've come into the side almost, if you like, fresh. And therefore, I I didn't quite understand selecting pretty much the same team, pretty much in the same system. It hasn't been working. And to me, if you, you know, the old Einstein quote, it was just like, right, we'll keep going and then it's just going to click. I don't get the thinking there. It's it's almost as if that was. The, in fact, it, I'm, I'm pretty convinced that was the thinking, that these players, that shape, that system, um, had it in December. So it's up to them to get us out of the poor form and get get back to where we were. Um, I, I genuinely hope Stephen Gerrard now looks at it and goes, that has to change. That first half was diabolical. Um, that, I have to say, Andy Halliday was really, really unfortunate not to put his ahead. Their goalie, Schofield, made a, a, a most incredible save onto the bar from Halliday. Yeah, it was a he really did well with it. But that aside... We largely created nothing. 
Um, and it was just, like I said earlier, it was just all that very, very safe play. Uh, always having two or three folk on Ryan Kent. He's got to come inside. He's coming inside to traffic. So he's laying it off. And it's all these extra touches. The flip side of that, of course, is, well, get the ball in the box. How often do you hear that, David, at, at the games? And when you're sticking the ball in the box to a guy who, and Alfredo Morelos currently is shit out of form. He really is. It's amazing how fast that's gone just with a few games missed. Um, it was it was dreadful. One thing that I was surprised at, and uh, welcome viewers back to the, the Beach Grove Garden, was the lack of, <laughs> the, the, the pitch didn't really cut up in the first half. And I was amazed at that. I, I think I texted you on Saturday night going, how on earth can the pitch be unplayable on the Saturday and then playable on the Sunday when it's meant to rain all night? Mm. Um, and actually, I thought the pitch held up pretty well. That was probably the best bit of the first half. Yeah, I think what helped was the the fact that it was high winds um, all night and all morning. But credit to the ground staff, they were in at 4am on uh, Sunday morning to try and get the the, the game playable. And uh, they deserve credit for, for having done so. Um, yeah, it... <laughs> Look, it's difficult because that formation system, the way we play, has done well for us in the past. And I'm not saying, incidentally, that that's it. We'll never see it again. I'm just saying that when you're in a run like this, because it's not one or two games now, that can happen. But it's you know it's a couple of months now, let's be honest, that you need to maybe just think about tweaking stuff, changing stuff to get a few results, get the confidence back, and then you can you can start to do it. Hoggy alluded to Alfredo Morelos being out of form at the moment, Dave. Uh, he is, but I would still say that he should have had two goals this week, were it not for piss-poor officiating, yeah. uh, which shows you that, that even when he's not at his best, what he can deliver to the team. The other guy that is shit out of form at the moment is Ryan Kent, and it's noticeable oh. online and the ground that he's becoming a bit of a target because of the price tag for the frustrations of the fans. Uh, one of the things that slightly up me at the weekend was people say, "Ah, oh, he's lazy," um, or he doesn't care. And I'm like, "That's bollocks." He's actually, if anything, guilty of trying too hard at the moment. Uh, he's just got no form, and you could see it on Saturday. He was taken off Sunday, sorry. He was taken off after 55 minutes. Everything he did was wrong. Whether it was his decision making, whether it was his touch, he was just having an absolute stinker. And for me, we know that Ryan Kent is a better footballer than that. He's got more talent than that. To me, it is very much just a guy who there's nothing there. He's reaching for it. His brain's telling his legs to do it, and his legs are not doing it at the moment. It's a form thing. I think uh, Ryan Kent totally epitomises the whole team at the moment. You say, we know you're more talented than that. We know you can do better than that. And right now, you're you're just not doing it, and your confidence is down, and your form is uh, suffering. Yeah, listen, there's been there'll be people out there uh, within every support hours. There's no different who who look for a weapon boy. And there's, there was people saying as uh, the Ryan Kent resigned for us and the seven million pound fee who were waiting to to bounce up on that, and they'll they'll be doing that in their, in their, their hordes at the moment. Listen, the guys are an extremely talented footballer. He's proven that a, a number of times at Rangers. You know, we don't have to go back too far to, to realise just how good he is. But right now, yeah, he's a. Uh, it's just not happening for him. He's not producing the goods. It's you're right what you say. They're just everything he does. It's just it just seems to be the wrong decision or not coming off for him. 
And I, I think you're right as well. You say that it's one of the things you can't throw at him is he doesn't care. He cares a hell of a lot. And you can see the frustration in him. And it must be like playing. It's one of those things about being a professional, uh, a professional sportsman uh, at such a high level when you know you can do this thing. I can't imagine just how frustrating it must be knowing, bloody hell, I can, I can do this. Why is it not happening for me? What is it I'm doing different? Uh, and I'm sure he'll be, he'll be having sleepless nights and wondering what he needs to do with it. For our point of view, uh, from a Rangers point of view, I, t- I think he could probably be doing with a wee spell on the bench, you know, and, you know, uh, it's you can see that could destroy his confidence. I think it could go the other way as well. If you leave him in there and just keep starting every week and it just, it doesn't come back from him, I think it can go that way as well, where he's not got a chance to, you know, have a wee time out to just think about what's happening. He just keeps doing the same performances and he goes backwards that way. Yeah, the manager has given him a chance to sort of play his way through it, Hoggy, mm. the way that, that Tav did earlier in the season. But uh, it's going the opposite way, really, with with him at the moment. And you know, performance-wise, it's, it's difficult to justify him staying in the team. But also, as David said, we, we maybe reached the stage where it might actually be a benefit to him to just take a couple of weeks, work in your game and train, and don't worry about you know the pressures that will come on a Saturday, whatever. Just you get back to being what we know you can be. And if we didn't have any options, that would be one thing. But there are a few, and maybe it would just be, if you like, even for the long-term benefit, just to to take him at the firing line for a few weeks. Yeah, perhaps. I mean, I think what we all need to remember with Ryan Kent, his his year with us didn't start particularly well. (laughs) If you remember, you know, he he was against Livingston in the first match. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's, he's loan spell. You know, he's up until he played Celtic at Ibrox, um, he was all right, but he, he wasn't exactly setting, setting the header alight. Had a real good second half to the season. We wanted him, of course we did. But if, he's doing a pre-season with Liverpool. It's kind of half-hearted. He ends up training on his own. Um, he's at a club now where the expectation levels have gone through the roof. And that's the first time that's ever happened for him. Um, and he's he's a, a very young, yet exceptionally talented footballer. He is going to have inconsistent spells. We're seeing one just now. So you're right, two options. We either take him out the firing line and replace him with a Greg Stewart or Jordan Jones or, or whomever for Braga. Or we keep him in because I must admit you boys were discussing that there, and I'm thinking to myself, take him out for Braga? Are we nuts? Um, but it could go one of two ways. He has had, as you say, the the um, the luxury I think afforded to him to try and play his way through it, and it just hasn't happened. So it's a it's going to be a tough call for Gerard on on Thursday night. So a lot of negatives there, but let's talk about some positives. They did come out in the second half um, and were better. I think uh, in the case of Ryan Kent, he got the, the 10 minutes and we'll see. And then it wasn't working. And Stephen Gerrard, who I do criticise sometimes for his, his lack of, uh, if you like, substitutions that before something goes wrong kind of thing, uh, he, he sometimes, I think, waits too long. But he didn't. Uh, on came Florin Camberry. And played an interesting role, sort of played out wide, but it was slightly different with Yanis Hadji. He would start out wide but come in a lot. Yanis Hadji went just in behind 
and Rangers looked a hell of a lot better in the second half. Um, got the goal, a fabulous ball from Yanis Hadji through to uh, Scott Arfield. He's banging form at the moment. Shot right through the keeper. Uh, would be the winning goal, thankfully. And I was really impressed, Dave, with, with Cam Berry because really the only player we have that can play with his back to goal effectively, in all honesty, is, is Alfie. Um, but Camberry did that and balls that went into him, he was just very calm and composed, took it down, held off the defender, played it, and then Rangers got on on the move. I, I thought a really impressive debut, if you I know he came on again, he's came on as a sub, but I thought that he really, when given some playing time, staked a claim. Yeah, I think you're right, uh, a lot of what you're saying there. When he came on, firstly, you know, it, it, for me, he just did all the, the simple things, uh, right? What you're saying there, being able to play with his back to goal, his link-up play was, uh, was you know, was good, which was something we were, were severely lacking in that game. I don't think he'd done himself uh, any harm at all as well, uh, as you say, stating a claim, claim in his team. Yeah, when we've got guys who are being out shit out of form in those kind of positions as well, you know, I think he's uh, done well there. He's going to be somebody, you know, who he, he's going to get these short appearances, I think, for the majority part. And if he's wanting to really get into that first level, he's going to have to impress. We've seen players come in only getting those such appearances and never really seen again. I think he'll do all right with us, to be honest, for however long we've got him. I'm not entirely sure we'll see him uh, in a Rangers jersey past this season. But yeah, for if he's going to come in that role, uh, for the majority of the time coming off the bench, if he keeps doing that, we'll do all right with him. Scott Arfield, I think we need to talk about Hoggy again, doing something that other players, we we don't have somebody who does quite what he does. His movement is forward running. Uh, Hadji, a guy who can pick that out, and he did so. Good shot. Maybe the keeper should have done a bit better, but who cares? And Rangers did get the win through it. Arfield, in difficult circumstances, he, he's banging form at the moment. He's standing up to be the Scott Arfield that we all expected him to be this season. Remember, he, he went away to play for Canada uh, last summer. And I've talked about on this show before in the first half of the season, David, so it's, it's absolutely right that we, we, we pick him out. Um, we talked about in the first half of the season that after he played his 872 internationals for Canada in the summer <laughs> and then came straight back in after, I think, a week's, a week off to play for us, he looked leggy, he looked tired, he looked just in poor form. He would get dropped out the side onto the bench, etc. Now, it's almost as if he has, um, after us dissing the, the, the winter break, it's almost as if he's really used that, recharged the batteries. He's the one that's come back firing in, in all cylinders. And if you're, if you're going to stick down your first three or four names in the team sheet, he's in that just now. And he's yeah. earned it every with every single performance because he is the midfielder that's breaking forward. He is the one that's making the the real intelligent runs forward. Hadji's finding him, but with those runs, he's also doing that thing that we were really critical of in the first half, or the the reverse of it, that he's making runs to find space for others to move into. Or he's just, especially when the opposition are getting tired, he's finding the space to get into. Hadji found him brilliantly. It's a great, a great early shot. Yes, the keeper should have done better, but frankly, the keeper had no right to save Andy Halliday's in the first half. So, yeah. so, so well, balanced out. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's a great goal, and it came, it came at a great time for us because from there on in, you're thinking, right, 
that's the goal. Settle yourselves down and go and kick on. Um, should have had some more. Probably should have lost one as well, David. Um, it was yeah, it was it was that kind of match. But it was it was a he, he's going through a real purple patch. Probably between him and McGregor, they're the only ones just now. This week's instalment of what the fuck, ref? Uh, it comes in the form of uh, a red card tackle, uh, a perfectly good offside goal ruled out, although obviously that's the linesman's fault. But uh, we'll start off with the one that even Steven Gerrard complained about. And, and one of the things that I think Rangers fans, including myself, have been on at him to do is start highlighting this. Um, baby steps were taken on Sunday, I think. Um, he, he still said that the, the Goldson tackle was a yellow card when on what planet. Um, but we'll come to that. But first of all, corner kick and the Levy defender loses the flight of the ball. It hits him on the arm. Penalty kick, surely. The referee said no. And according to Stephen Gerrard, he told Connor Goldson, I can't give that because of the conditions. David, you're a qualified referee. I didn't know that... The, the rules went out the window if it's a bit windy. Can you point me to the clause in the rule book that that, that stated? Because it seems to be hidden. Do you know what? I'm, I, I can't wait for the week where I get to do the flagship and you don't go, David, you're a qualified referee. Um, That's what you get for doing it. On, on, remember, referees have a tough job, right? But it's also a, a twat's job and only a twat would want to do it. So... You got yourself into this. True. Um, yes, to your to your question. Uh, as far as I'm aware from my training and my um, many revisions of the FIFA laws of the game that I have, I'm looking at a few in my bookshelf to now, uh, no, there's nothing that uh, in the rule book that says you can't give a penalty for a double, deliberate handball when it's windy. Well, <laughs> I mean, that seems a little odd, but uh, yeah poor decision it's a bit windy didn't the the wind caught it and well that's a shame but it's still a penalty as for the tackle uh it happened where i sit i broke i sat in the main stand so it's right in front of me and straight away before he even arrives hoggy you see the boy leap and you're like oh um studs out straight leg catches connor goldson who goes down in quite a lot of pain uh, it's it's a red card every day of the week. Uh, the referee runs over, books him, despite the linesman being a yard away. He doesn't mention that it's a red card. Uh, on top of which, Rangers fans are a touch frustrated because this is the same referee who sent Cosgrove off at Parkhead for a similar tackle, except Cosgrove didn't catch the guy. Now, I didn't have any complaints, by the way, about the Cosgrove red. I thought he did. Um, dive in, he was off his feet, he was dangerous reckless, all the things we're told the refs have to consider but this one had all of that and contact, so you know the added danger level on what planet is that not a red card? You know me David, I, I'm I'm probably one of one of the heart and hand team who maybe gives defenders slightly more leeway when they make a tackle that's perhaps understating it um, however it's dangerous it's out of control. He makes contact. He injures the player. It's a red card every day of the week. You sit up in the main stand. I'm down in the enclosure. This is right in front of me. And you're right. You see the guy leaping in off the ground. And what happens next is is quite obvious. It, it, it's, it's so predictable that 
he it could have been a real bad sore one for Goldson. Thankfully, he got up. Um, I bet he's feeling it today, incidentally. Um, yeah, and the yellow cards waved. Yeah, you're right when it's at Parkhead and it's uh, Cosgrove who leaps in off the ground in a dangerous manner, completely misses the player. Doesn't really matter. I, I thought that was a red as well for real dangerous play. Um, either the referee has forgotten himself because it's it's a bit windy and had been raining, perhaps, um, or... He's effectively refereeing two matches in a completely different manner. It's hard not to it's hard not to go straight to the place of right. So you're not giving that handball because it's windy, and you're not giving that red card. You know, given the precedence that you've set before, for whatever reason, is it just us? Seriously, um, Ewan Anderson and his officials including the linesman who gave the offside, when it is clearly onside. I could see it in line with it yesterday. It is clearly onside, yet the flag goes up immediately. Um, It's piss poor yet again, David. And that follows on, of course, from the, 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 the shit show that we saw, not just from Rangers at Rugby Park, but also the officials at Rugby Park, where we had Morelos not getting a penalty for a push, Morelos doing the same type of push and having the goal chopped off, handballs in the box leading up to Kilmarnock's first goal. There's been a good, just in the past two games, there's been a good six or seven against us. This is us after joking, half joking on the flagship last week. We got away with one at New Douglas Park or the Fountain of Youth Stadium or whatever it's called. We got away with one just before half time. And I half joked this time last week, well, We've got another 400 to catch up with and and break even this season. We'll chalk up another six or seven, David, because that's two games that have been an utter shambles from the refs. Yeah, it's very frustrating when they're so obvious. That's the problem. I mean, the red cards, you couldn't get it wrong. You know, the the, the offside for for Morelos, (laughs) you had to basically be thinking a certain way to not give it. It, it, and it's just all the time. I mean, we're not complaining because uh, well, he awarded a corner against us when I was sure it came off the, the living supply. I mean, these are big game-changing decisions, and there are two or three of them happening every single game. Um, and look, we're not in form. And yes, it's, you know, Rangers are all the things we discussed, mentality and whatnot. It's hard enough for us to, to be going and getting results. But when you're then having to know that, you'll probably need to score three goals, lads, to score one. Then that doesn't help matters either. So hopefully, as you say, we'll do a bit of a, a run of luck. I'm not, because I don't think that this is coincidence or bad luck. Or I think there's more to it than that. And I'm not saying that there's a deliberate bias from the referees, but there is most certainly, shall we be kind and say, overthinking goes into decisions. I don't think they give what they see. I think that there is a, a split-second process that goes on that affects their decision-making when they're handling Rangers games, and it's something the club should be calling out, but we don't, and it continues, and uh, I don't think that's a coincidence either. Anyway, well, we'll, we'll surely be spared all of that sort of drama, right enough, because this Thursday, David, VAR makes its debut at Ibrox when we take on Braga in the Europa League. Uh, this is going to be something, is it not? We are 100% going to get fucked by a VAR decision in first 100%, aren't we? yep. 
Guys, he'll, uh, he'll be offside in the build-up to something. Wait and see. Fact. Yeah. Listen, uh, I am, you know, a, a big supporter of uh, of VAR. I, I, I did have it in Scotland uh, in a minute. I know there's definitely teething problems. We're still in the, you know, the infant stage of of, uh, of implementing this in the game. Uh, it's going to when when you have something like this, it's going to go for you. It's going to go against you. If there's as a decision that goes against Rangers, then I don't want us to throw uh, the the baby out with the bathwater. I hope the club continues their support of it, and I hope we finally get it in Scotland too. This mob aren't bad, Hoggy. Beat Benfica at the weekend. Uh, they're on a really good run at home, but bizarrely, given Rangers' form, I sometimes get the feeling that our team are a bit better when they're not the favourites. Um, add to that, Braga will open up against us because, I mean, Braga just won at the weekend away to Benfica for the first time in 65 years. So they, they replaced their manager and they've gone on a cracking runner form. Um, Rangers need to be at it. But all the stuff we talked about earlier in the show, about safety, about no space, etc., I don't think we'll see much of that in Thursday night. I think we'll see Braga coming and coming to get a goal, maybe two, and really trying to have a go, um, which will open up space, which is maybe one of the reasons I immediately kind of thought, Ooh, I'm, I'm not sure we drop Kent quite yet. Um, so there will be space. We do need to be up for it. The players need to be, the players' minds need to click back into gear first and foremost, David. Um, but we've seen ourselves play against some damn good European sides last year and this year. And at Ibrooks, we've typically been really up for it. I hope the fans are really up for it as well. We need to we need to forget our form, if you like, and get behind Rangers on Thursday night. Get the place rocking, as Stephen Gerrard uh, has, has asked for. If we do that, we fulfil our side. They need to fulfil their side. Braga are not unbeatable. They are very much beatable, mm-hmm. even even though they're in a great run of form. Look at the other teams that we could have got. Um, but we need to be at it. We will not just turn up and, and win. So we need to be at it. We need uh, maybe to maybe that bit of VAR luck, who knows? Um because I desperately, and I mean this really desperately, want to get into the last 16 and draw Celtic, David, with VAR. I don't know about that. Uh, the manager usually likes the tight midfield, David, of Jack Kamara and Davis. Now, he won't be able to pick that because Ryan Jack's suspended and also likes to ball carriers on in the wide areas. Mm. How do you see his lining up for this? Pretty much, uh, pretty much uh, as you described there. I don't think we'll see too many changes. I don't know if we'll go slightly, slightly more cautious because everyone said about this uh, Braga team, the other team that's you know absolutely, absolutely flying at the moment. Uh, I think they're probably going to provide us with uh, the toughest test that we've had so far this season. On the flip side of that as well, David, I think we are at, we are at our best when uh, when 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 we play to play to our strengths. I think it's going to be an interesting one because I don't think they're a team that's you know too dissimilar to to Azira in terms of the, in terms of their approach. I think it's got the makings of of a really good game. Only thing you know the, the the pitch might have something to say about that as well when it comes to Thursday. 
I expect it to be uh, to be tight. I don't quite know what the the fan mood surrounding this game is at the moment. I don't know if it's somewhat similar to European football just because of the, how poorly the, the the domestic seasons turned out uh, in the last couple of months. But you know, come Thursday, I'm sure we're sure we're all up for it. And and you know, I'm as much as I'm saying, I think it's going to be a tough task. I'm not in any sense uh, writing us out this time. Now, Hoggy, say you had a little bit of time to kill, but you wanted to get some Rangers action going on. Where would be a good place for people to visit on the World Wide Web? On the World Wide Web, I would go to, for recently uh, relaunched, I should say. Brand new, uh, all, all singing and dancing. Spanking brand new, even with new email uh, email capability and all the rest of it for, for the likes of you and I. Um, I would probably go to www.heartandhand.co.uk for hunters, and I mean hunters of hunters and hunters of articles, of uh, features, of the ability to pick your eleven information, and from what I've seen, no one's got Tav on the right wing yet. Um, Adam hasn't allowed that. You're not allowed to pick Tav uh, on the right wing. Seriously, is, he's put him in the defenders category, and that, that's it. Genuinely, though, it uh, as a, a relaunched website, it is utterly superb. www.heartandhand.co.uk, A-N-D, not an ampersand, I hate ampersands, and well, uh, loads of stuff there, as, as Hoggy says, access to all our videos, access to brand new blogs, all free, incidentally, it's not part of the Patreon site, uh, but if you want to sign up, there are instructions there, because there's loads of great content over at Heart and Hand on Patreon, at patreon.com forward slash heart and hand. My thanks to our executive producers in London, Mike Lee and Paul Myers, and my thanks to my two guests this evening, first of all, David Marshall. Pleasure as always, gents. And Ian Hogg. You just can't wait for VAR, David, can you? No, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm approaching it in the way I approach my first vagina. Quite excited, but still somewhat nervous. Anyway, let's see how it gets on on Thursday night, and we'll be back to talk to you this time next week. Until then, take care. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed today's show, why not check out our Patreon site? For as little as the price of a matchday programme a month, you'll get access to loads of Jer's content, including daily updates, tactical analysis, previews and post-match shows, plus an amazing archive covering all things Rangers, including stepping back in time to discuss particular games, managerial reviews, interviews with Ibrox legends, watch-alongs and the odd bit of stuff and nonsense too. Please head over to patreon.com forward slash heart and hand and join thousands of bears on the best value podcast on the world's most successful club. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.